With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe with you once again. Rob, how you doing, man? <laughs> kind of a loaded I'm question. I'm tired. Yeah, I bet. I'm tired. I bet. Man. You've had a, a, a quite a busy weekend. Anybody who follows you on Twitter or, or follows Iowa football at all uh, kind of understands uh, what the weekend was like, or at least to some extent. Uh, I know you've been in contact with players really ever since Friday and, and have been covering this very well, uh, HawkeyeNation.com and on your Twitter page. So uh, good work with all that, and thank you for all the hard work. And, uh, you know, this is not an, an easy topic to talk about for a lot of people really for anybody in the country uh, and and not just, you know, the stuff we talked about a week ago, Rob, uh, with race relations and, and police brutality and things in this country, but now it's kind of come to our, our doorstep and certainly in, in the racial disparity and the allegations of that within the Iowa football program. I'll just preface this by saying, man, I know you've, you, you're tired, you've been working a lot. Um, I'm not the most eloquent dude in the world. We're probably not going to say all these things perfectly, so bear with us a little bit. We don't know exactly where this is going to go, but we're gonna we're gonna try to go through this a little bit. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of uh, layers to this, and a lot you know, a lot of things that we've just been. <sighs> Uh, you know, it, it, there's just been so much the last few days that we've seen so many stories and, uh, like I said, so many layers to this thing. And uh, I was thinking to myself yesterday, you know, yeah, I'm tired. But again, like mm-hmm. we talked about last week, I, I, I'm 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 also of privilege, and yes. I also haven't had to deal with all this stuff all my life, and I haven't deal with these what some of these players are alleging in their their comments and what they've had to go through um so i just think the least i could do is share their stories i know that upset some hawkeye fans and and they felt like i was uh perpetuating things but from my perspective i was just trying to give each guy their own voice and you know retweet them and yeah, I did put a couple comments on my tweets. I think a couple were disgusting and powerful on two of the tweets that I tweeted. And that was me being human. That was me reading those allegations and saying, wow, this is disgusting or wow, this is powerful. And if that upsets people, I'm sorry. I've, if you look at our website, I have been uh, objective. 
I wrote a column on Friday saying that Iowa should come out and talk about this. Uh, James Daniels was the first one to tweet that there was a problem, and that was on Wednesday afternoon mm. uh, after Kirk had his uh, press conference saying that they would uh, either either stand or kneel as a team for the national anthem. Uh, that would be a team decision uh, to do it all as a team. And uh, I think that offended some players. And uh, they had had enough. And James Daniels came out on Wednesday. Um, and it took more than two days for Iowa to make a comment. And uh, I had, I had uh, been in contact with a few of those guys on Thursday. Uh, and then Friday morning. And, uh, you know, they were just like, thank you for... Uh, you know, helping our voices be heard. And uh, we've got something big planned. And I think if you saw over the last few days, probably 48 to 72 hours, the stories have just continued to come out. And again, Iowa waiting two days to address the original accusation from James Daniels was not good. And it was another slap in the face to these guys. And we'll get into to more of, uh, you know, Iowa's comments and maybe how these guys took it uh, as well and uh, with this conversation. But I just think that, uh, you know, we're going on, what, day six of this. And I would not be surprised to see more stories come out. And it's not just black players. So, um, yeah, it's... It's as you said, Andrew, we talked about this last Monday in terms of this being a national issue. And now it's here with us locally. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be uh, hopefully some very uncomfortable conversations coming, not just with Iowa football, but but with all of us as as a nation and kind of how we treat people, how we uh, police ourselves, how we deal with a lot of these things. And and these things are going to be uncomfortable and they're not going to be fun. Uh, There's not going to be a lot of smiles with a lot of this stuff. But for people who have been dealing with this every day of their lives and for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, it's the least we can do as these privileged white men is is kind of listen. and, And as you said, provide a voice and and think about this as as though it were us or our kids or our people um you know dealing with this stuff and 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 what we would think it's easy to kind of dismiss I, i think for some people some of this stuff uh as well you know that's 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 football that's uh you know strength and conditioning coaches need to be kind of drill sergeants and things like that. Well, there, there, there are lines. And I liked what Kirk Ferentz said yesterday in a Zoom conference about, uh, you know, there's there's discipline, but then there's demeaning. And, and anytime it crosses that line, it's too far. Uh, and again, we'll get into all that as we move through, through this. Rob, it's interesting to me. I didn't really... And... and I guess this is on me. Um, I, I didn't realize that that a statement was made by James Daniels on on Wednesday night. I didn't really start seeing this until Friday, uh, what late afternoon or so, uh, when really a lot more stories started coming out and and the smoke really started to billow uh, from former players about the culture in Iowa's program and and. A lot of this is going to surround race uh, because that's where we are in our country right now. But as as you just alluded to, it's not just a racial thing. There are white players who have felt demeaned and belittled uh, within this program. It's a it's a culture thing um, within the Iowa program, and I think that's what needs to be addressed. And and hopefully, what what is being addressed within those walls uh, over the weekend and and today and, and moving forward. But uh, for me, this all kind of started Friday evening when I started to see uh, James. 
Daniels and then kind of the replies to him and you start to see just more and more stories and at first again you can kind of dismiss it as you know one or two guys had a bad experience or you know maybe somebody has a grudge or a chip on their shoulder but Honestly, when it starts with a guy like James Daniels, who's so upstanding, who's so uh, well thought of, who's a, a smart guy, who who was a success in the program, and and for him to turn around and say, hey, things need to change here, uh, it's not right. I think that was very eye opening and and maybe smart on on his behalf and um, and the players' behalf to have him be kind of the voice of of it at the beginning because you you can't really ignore that from a guy of that caliber from this program, and then it just kind of progressed Friday evening. Uh, and then uh, Kirk Ferentz and Iowa Football put out a, a quick statement Friday. Uh, I am saddened to hear these comments from some of our former players. While I wish they had reached out to us directly, I am thankful that these players decided to share their experiences now. As I said earlier in the week, the best way to affect change is by listening. I have started reaching out to them on an individual basis to hear their stories firsthand. Making change that matters involves an open dialogue and possibly some tough conversations. I'm glad to have the opportunity to do just that. As a staff and as leaders, we will listen and take to heart the messages we hear again that's Kirk Ferentz on Friday evening um how, how did from what you heard how did that statement go over uh with with former players and, and kind of the the group of guys who are who are making this um making this problem bringing this problem to light how, how did that statement go over with them Rob you know I I I think they appreciated it um they probably would have appreciated something a little bit sooner, but yeah. you know, they know that that this is going to take time, and you know this progress is going to take time, and and I think they believe that um, there needs to be a big shift here, a big cultural shift within this program, and um, you know, and I found it interesting yesterday uh, when Kirk was asked if you know how he felt like the culture was prior to these guys coming out. And his comment was, I think you could argue, at least in my mind, it's been healthy. And based on the results, that type of thing. That being said, every program every year, it's a new challenge. And there's always things to learn. In the last 48 hours, I've learned things that need more attention. Um, it wasn't healthy. In any, you know, the, yeah, there was some success. And there are a lot of stories about, um, you know, guys that, have had success and gone on to the NFL. And as you alluded to, Andrew, this isn't a group. Some of these guys transferred. Some of these guys didn't make it through the program. But when you talk about a James Daniels who leaves after three years for the NFL, comes back, gets his degree by the time he's 21 years old and is, you know, a starting offensive lineman in the NFL as a rookie, um, and then he tweets that out on Wednesday, and one of the first people to comment on it is Mike Daniels, hmm. another guy that's come through this program is, is successful. And basically he said, these guys, they're not ready for this conversation yet. And then you've got a guy like Amani Hooker who says, you know, we, oh, and other players say, when we came there, we felt like we were walking on eggshells and we had to conform to a white culture. That's deep, man. Yeah. That is that is really deep. And it's fine and, and I'm hoping that Kirk takes action. These aren't just words. Um but I, I I think he needs to even look even a little deeper inside of himself right now, just based on some of the comments he's making. And like you said, we all kind of make 
comments, you know, um, that we shouldn't make or, you know, maybe not say the right things, but, um, it's really about action with him right now. He's really got to, you know, he's as, as controlling he as he is and, and as controlling as most football coaches are at this level, he's really got to open up. He's got to let his guard down. He's got to understand unconscious bias. He's got to understand white privilege. He's got to understand these things if he wants to move forward. And if he's not accepting of that, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, as you said. I think he's said a lot of the right things and, and hasn't said things always perfectly for sure. Or that you know the healthy culture is is certainly a head scratcher and and some some things about uh, you know Brian Ferentz and and whatnot. Uh, there, there's definitely and, and the Twitter ban. There, there are it hasn't been perfect. It doesn't really matter what's said. It's going to matter what's done um, and the the actions that are taken. And it's going to be interesting to see a guy who's so entrenched in his ways has been there doing the same thing for going on 22 years now. Um, is he is he capable of of making that level of a change within a program and obviously within a culture that up until this weekend uh, I'm sure he understood that that things weren't always perfect in in that program and there had been some cultural things but obviously uh, it, it had worked on you know as far as he was concerned. Um, you know, Iowa football was was winning games. It was successful on the field and and put a lot of guys into the NFL. And I'm sure you know helped a lot of guys become men and become better fathers and husbands and friends and you know brothers and sons and all of that stuff. Uh, but two things can be true, and I think that as a, as a country is something that we maybe are starting to learn now is. Um, just because there's a problem somewhere doesn't mean it's all a problem, but just because it's not all a problem doesn't mean there's a problem. It uh, doesn't mean there's not a problem. And so, yes, there are there are certainly good things about the Iowa football program and what it's done over the last 20-some years, and these things happening doesn't take away from, from that necessarily, but it can also be true that there are issues within that culture, and I think we're starting to see that uh, and, and certainly seeing that now. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see, kind of, as you said, what, what actually are taken, what tangible things happen, uh, not just in this week and these coming weeks, but really moving forward throughout Kirk Ferentz's tenure as head coach here. Uh, how much does this culture change next season and the season after that? Um, and, and then, you know, kind of leaving the jersey in a better place. And, and are they able to do that, not just with wins and losses on the field and with numbers of guys who get drafted to the NFL, but... Um, you know, with with bringing people in and, and helping to do what college is supposed to do. You know, help them mature in, into good people and uh, find find themselves, and you know, not be afraid to express themselves. And uh, it, it'll just be interesting to see how this how this progresses, and and hopefully. Kirk Ferentz is able to have a chance to do that. Hopefully he's willing to do it uh, because it's not going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of work. I'm sure this isn't going to be how he thought his final few years, however long that is from now, uh, of his tenure as Iowa's football coach would go, you know, undergoing this massive cultural shift. Uh, but it's it's what's going to have to happen if, if we want to have a statue of Kirk Ferentz sitting outside of Kinnick Stadium in a few years, which I think up until this weekend was certainly where everything was headed. And I, I, and I don't say that because I don't think it's headed that way anymore. We certainly need to give him and Iowa football and really that entire athletic department a chance to to address these things and, and make changes. But uh, you're certainly starting to see things in, in a little bit of a different light. And it doesn't feel like, as it did maybe for a moment, uh, it doesn't feel like this starts and ends with Chris Doyle. I think he's certainly the name that's being thrown out there more often, and, and maybe he is the... Uh, 
the the biggest violator of some of these things and uh you know he he claims he's never crossed the line and so i guess we you know we need to certainly say these are allegations against him at this point and um but it felt for a moment like it really kind of started and ended in that weight room and in that conditioning program with him. Uh, but as we learn more about this, it, it just doesn't feel that way anymore. He, he's a part of it, maybe a big part of it, uh, but the buck has to stop with Kirk Ferentz, and obviously it's an issue uh, within that program that, that goes deeper than the strength and conditioning department. Without question, and I and I think you know what you included in, in – and what you just said, I, I think, was something that I thought was very important that James Daniels tweeted. And he said, I would not be in the NFL without Brian Ferentz and Chris Doyle, but does, that does not mean that everything they did was right and that they don't need to change. Yeah, And that tells you right there that those two things can be both be true. And just because he they helped him get to the NFL doesn't mean their means of doing that were right. You know, and there's, it's more than just telling a guy how, you know, how he needs to lift weights or how, you know, how to block a certain play. It's how you treat them as people. And, you know, there are a lot of layers to this, Andrew. And it's, you know, obviously it's a lot of black players and racism is obviously at the forefront in our country right now. And rightfully so, Um but the story with Jack Kallenberger and his ADHD was, and this is a kid for walk on from Bettendorf was just heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. Yeah, essentially, uh, he was bullied and berated for for not being smart. Uh, he had a learning disability that that wasn't discovered for some time, and by by the time that had been discovered, he had already essentially gotten nicknames and uh, and been pigeonholed as as a. Called- Called stupid, yeah. called an idiot. A nickname. His nickname was Dumb Jack, right. which apparently is was a character in a movie. And it's just that. I mean, they're like we've said, there are layers to this. It's it's racism, but there's also bullying and a culture yes. here that I think went overboard. A co- a culture that uh, you know, as Kirk said, there's there's a big difference between demanding and demeaning, and. There are stories out there that are really demeaning regardless of race. And that, like you said, Chris Doyle's kind of under the fire here, but um, there are more. I mean, that was the Kallenberger story with Seth Wallace. And uh, he's going to have to answer for that because that was uh, that was like I said, that was just heartbreaking. And if, if you think about it, as much as these players spend time with Kirk Ferentz, and that's a lot, they spend a lot of time with their position coaches. And, and if people are unaware of the nuance of this, the coaches, Kirk Ferentz and his on-field coaches, have a limited amount of time by NCAA rules that they can spend with players in terms of coaching them football. The strength and conditioning staff, led by Chris Doyle, they spend more time with these players than anybody else on the staff and when they get here usually in june some guys some guys enroll in january even the first thing they're the first uh task that they're given is strength and conditioning whether they enroll in january or whether they come in june the first thing they go into is the strength and conditioning program he's the front porch for that and that kind of sets the tone and that sets the culture. So it makes sense that 
that's why he fingers are being pointed his way because he's the one that kind of sets that tone in conjunction with Kirk Ferentz and then the position coaches. So, yeah, there are a lot of, uh, you know, I, this is more than one guy. Th- this is a cultural problem. And uh, it's it, the irony here is, Andrew, we've heard about how great Iowa's culture has been through the years and how it helps them win football games. Um, I mean, hell, Rob, you, was, you, you and I it, were on this podcast yeah. a few weeks ago talking about how this culture is probably why the recruiting is doing so well right now in such an uncertain time with COVID-19 and no spring football and uh, kind of not knowing what the, the the fall season was going to look like it was it was attractive to kids to look at Iowa and say hey there's a culture that's been there for a long time uh, a coach that's been there for a long time we know what we're getting into whether or not they actually knew what what the culture that's was that's the question yes that's the question I have to ask because I've had people ask me why would they go there if they knew it with this, this way what's being said to them on the recruiting trail how is Coach Doyle treating them when they come into the building on a recruiting visit opposed to when they get here, how are they treated? And that's something that also needs to be examined. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And I do think, you know, we should say this uh, with with the kind of two-sidedness of this, or at least the, as we were saying, you know, the dichotomy of two things can be true. Um... There, there have I haven't seen a lot of calls for firings, uh, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. Even even with Coach Doyle, uh, I haven't seen a lot of the former players saying the change that needs to be made is heads need to roll. Uh, the change that needs to be made, uh, from what I'm seeing, is within the program, and and they, for the most part, it seems like respect Kirk. And respect the program enough to say uh, we're willing to allow them to kind of make these changes to to look into themselves. Now they need to do it, and they need to do it quickly, um, and and they need to be honest with themselves about it. And some heads may need to roll, but from what I'm seeing, Robin, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I haven't seen a lot of players saying uh, this is so toxic that everybody needs to go or anything like that. No, I haven't gotten that sense either, Andrew. That they want to clean house. I think. Uh you know, and I think what's gotten lost a lot of, in a lot of this is that uh, that these players don't love Iowa, yeah. or that they don't love the fans or this state. I mean, you think about the courage it takes for them to come out and talk about what happened to them here for a program. We all know how much our alma maters mean to us, and how that time in your life is so impactful. And for them to feel like they needed to come out and say this, it it. it and it's not surprising, but it pains me that that some fans can't understand why that is. Why, why, you know, why didn't they come out when they were here? You know, the victim blaming that I've seen on this is, is really disturbing. And you know, them being out, able to come out and talk about this is important to change what they feel needs to be changed. Um, and in terms of Chris Doyle, as we've talked about and Kirk talked about, you kind of have to let the let this thing play out and let the process go. And obviously, Chris is saying that he was wrongly accused. 
uh, had made mistakes, but some of the base of his, these accusations are not true. Um, so this looks, at least at this point, like something that's going to go to this, this external review board. People are going to be interviewed, and then they'll have to make a decision from there if the allegations prove true. Um, and we're talking about, you know, from him telling players they're going to go, you know, he's going to send them back to the street or the ghetto to, um, you know, pulling his pants down and putting a hat on backwards and strutting around to the comments that were made. I mean, there's, a, there's enough there. there. There's volume there that if this that stuff proves true and it could just be a matter of he said, he said then there's probably going to have to be a change because you look at it and you say, okay, um, Ken, after, you know, however many, and Dante Morrow is one of made one of the claims that was in 2008 for all these years that this, this has gone on. Can you, is, is the, is the, is the, uh, punishment, does the punishment fit the crime, Andrew? And is that, is that losing your job for for this happening over s- such a long period of time and affecting so many kids? You could say, yeah, well, we can try to fix him or we can try to rehabilitate him if these accusations prove true. But also you have to look at what what is is there a punishment there that goes beyond that? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And, and we'll kind of move forward in the timeline here just uh, to, to catch us up. Um, so Saturday, more more stories are coming out on social media. Saturday, I know that you you talked to former players, and I'm sure had a lot of people reaching out to you. Saturday, Saturday evening, uh, Kirk Ferentz and Gary Barta each released a statement. Essentially, at the same time, uh, Kirk's was a video, but also a statement, and, and Gary Barta released a statement uh, announcing that they had placed Chris Doyle on administrative leave. That they are looking into these things. They take them very seriously. They're saddened uh, by by what they're hearing, and you know, Kirk uh, alluded to. To, uh, you know, being a student in this time and, and kind of uh, talking to people and, and trying to figure this out. Then we move forward to Sunday, and I think just minutes before uh, Kirk was scheduled to, to do his Zoom press conference Sunday afternoon, uh, Chris Doyle releases a statement, and it's a statement as I, I as far as I'm as far as I know, uh, did not come through the university at all because at one point he says, I've been asked to remain silent, but that's impossible for me to do. Uh, the, you know, the one thing lacking in the statement as I read it, Rob is, is an apology. Um, it's not there. He, he, you know, he has said he's committed his whole life to this. He's very proud of these guys for the courage it took out to speak out on these serious matters. Um, and I've seen, I saw it was you know a popular thing as soon as he put that statement out. It's like a four paragraph statement. Uh, the third being, it's time to listen, learn, and grow. Most importantly, it's time for action. And then the fourth, the fourth paragraph, which is the problematic one, where he essentially denies that any of this is true. He says he's never crossed a line like this. He doesn't he doesn't make racist comments, and he doesn't tolerate people who do. Uh, he's confident that anybody who completes a review of his body of work uh, will find that he's never made racist comment. Um, as you said, it, it, it may come down to a he said, he said. It's going to be hard to kind of prove some of these allegations, I think, but uh, then, then you just kind of have to put the scales up, Rob, and if you have... 20, 30, 40, 50 former players all kind of making the same allegations, all corroborating each other uh, of things they've heard and and treatment they've witnessed. And then you have, uh, you know, the the coach who who these allegations are being levied against saying, no, none of that's true. 
um, you know, w- without evidence, it, again, it is a he said, he said, but I, I know that, that for me personally, I would tend to believe the 20, 30, 40, 50 guys who are all kind of, because none of these sound, they don't sound so different from each other. It sounds like it was, it was kind of constant. It sounds like it was normal uh, within that program and certainly within uh, his workouts for, for these things to happen. And so, um, so that's kind of where we sit right now. Is, is Chris Doyle is on administrative leave, uh, unsure where that's going to go or, or how long that's going to take. Uh, he's denying everything. The players are, are standing by their stories, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I think, like like you said, um, at some point there has to be a punishment. We have to allow people to learn and change and grow, but we don't have to allow that in the in the jobs that they currently have. Uh, the, you know, there, there's nothing there, and so if if a change needs to be made, uh, I think it will be. And and I honestly, at this point, uh, again, not knowing anything more than what everybody else knows, uh, I'd be surprised at this point if if Chris Doyle's the strength and conditioning coach, uh, you know, come the start of the season. Yeah, I think we're all going to be, you know, eagerly awaiting what uh, this external review board um, finds. And because the, that Chris Doyle's statement wasn't, yeah, I may have done something wrong, you know, in terms of racial statement, of yeah, making yeah. racial con- that He's completely denying it. Yes. So in essence, he's calling the players that are telling their stories liars. Yeah, so because it would have been one thing, Rob, if he had come out and sure. said, look, I, I didn't understand that this right. stuff was making them feel this way. I see now that what I, while I don't have a racist bone in my body, I see now how me making mm-hmm. these statements can can be uh, – seen as that or, or whatever you're exactly right he didn't he didn't couch any of this he said this is not true i've never said any of these things he, he left no wiggle room at all no i mean and he added on that he doesn't tolerate any racism so i mean he i mean it was it was a strong denial it was a strong and in his denial he's basically saying these players stories are untrue and so the line is in that sand, Andrew. And what you just said is really well said. This is, uh, you know, it's a, it's essentially a, um, a case where you have, uh, you know, accuser and a plaintiff, and uh, we have to see uh, what this this uh, external review board finds, and um, and then from that, if what they find is a fireable offense. Um, and then you just look at this from a perspective of what the you've seen this. I mean, this this is on ESPN, ABC News. This is what does this do to your program in the long run? And do you want to um, take this, use this to become a leader in this movement yeah. of? treating people fairly right and not having racism in your program if that's the case not having bullying in your program if that's the case two really 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 serious charges that are really points of emphasis in this country that we need to fix both bullying and racism now this is probably going to come out at other universities. My guess would be there are, Iowa is not the only one where this is happening. And now Iowa has a chance to take the lead on this in, in, in making the, you know, being the leader in trying to fix this. Will it do that or not? 
that's 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 up to it. And if if, if there is the case that there's bullying and racism in their program at any level, be be the leader. You have a chance here to be the leader. I, I think that's a great point. You're exactly right. This is this can be seen as an opportunity. And uh, I, you know, Kirk Ferentz. I think the first the first sentence of his statement from Saturday night is. This is a defining moment for the Iowa Hawkeye football program, and, and I don't think that's overstating anything at all. And I think it's a, a defining moment, maybe the the pivotal moment for Kirk Ferentz's career, and and how we ultimately look back at him, um, and and his you know two plus decades as the Iowa head football coach. And and you're exactly right. Can can Iowa be the leader in this? They we Iowa has been the leader in in players coming out so far. I think you're exactly right. I don't think this is an, a a thing just at Iowa. Um, I think we will see players coming out from other universities and other programs saying similar things, telling similar stories. Um, and we have and we have seen that. The, 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 there's a situation at Utah right now, and then there's also a situation at Clemson uh, where. Um, there have been issues. I think there's been a suspension at, at Utah. So it, it's starting to happen. And like you said, Iowa, you know, like we were saying, Iowa can use this opportunity if it chooses to, um, you know, because if Kirk Ferentz, you know, really truly wants to take action on this, he can. He still has that he has that ability and this is going to be part of his legacy what's coming out right now but he can add to that legacy being someone that was at the forefront of fixing this yeah i think that could be very very powerful that's a really good point you're exactly right he could he could he could alter his legacy for the better uh, when this is all said and done. If, if he's able to kind of uh, look inside his own program and, and maybe his own heart and his own family and make the changes that are necessary, they're going to be hard changes. They're going to involve difficult conversations. Uh, it's probably going to piss some fans off. Uh, you may lose a few recruits in, in this process, but uh, ultimately what's more important, uh, you know, correcting this problem within your program, which has uh, obviously been, been an issue for a long time, um, and, and if he's able to do that. I also think just the the fact that Iowa has had one culture, one program, uh, one head coach for for more than two decades uh, puts Iowa in, in a position to kind of deal with this first. Um, you know, if for instance, if you were at Wisconsin in 2011 and had an issue like this, it's a lot harder to then call out, you know, Paul Chris's program when there's been two head coaches since Brett Bielema was there. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. th- there's you know there's 20 years worth of former players who have gone through this same program with a lot of these same coaches at Iowa. So it just puts Iowa in that position, I think. Uh, you mentioned the external review board a couple of times, and uh, just. Uh, Catch us up on exactly what what that is going to look like, or I guess what you know about that. I, I saw that Mike Daniels has agreed to chair that, but uh, has also said he he doesn't you know want to be the singular voice in that by any means. Um, I think it's great that that he's lending his voice, and again, I hope that Iowa continues to reach out to these guys and utilize these guys and and ask them what needs to change and and ha- have them help and be a big part of this process uh, to to change. The current players are in such a tough position. The former players, especially guys like Mike Daniels, uh, who have like this kind of clout, can can really affect change here. Uh, but this external review board is going to be taking a look at this, and and yeah, as I said, chaired by Mike Daniels. But what more than that do you know about it? So there are two different things here, Andrew. There's an ex- there's the external investigation of what's going on here 
um, which is that will be made up of faculty, I believe, and I could be off on that, but people from the university that are not involved with the football program. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how those are chosen or who those are going to be, but those will be the people that investigate the allegations. And then in addition to that, Kirk Ferentz is starting um, a, a kind of a leadership committee within his program made up of former players that can voice concerns that they see or concerns of players that are on the team and bring them and have, you know, make open it up more for more dialogue, which I think is important. And as I said earlier in the pod, Mike Daniels is one of the ones that, that quickly responded to James Daniels tweet that, that, changes need to happen by saying they aren't ready for that conversation. Well, Kirk is saying he's ready for that conversation. So it's up to him now to, you know, Mike is, is going to be part of this. Um, and opening that conversation up. Now it's up to the Iowa program to listen to what these guys are saying, implement it and make sure it's effective. And it's not just window dressing. And I'm not, I'm not accusing that it's going to be window dressing, but they have to take action. They have to, when they install this thing, they have to make it work. It can't just be there for, you know, to make things look good. I, I had a, I had a player that's on the team, uh, and and there's some discrepancies over uh, this Twitter, the, you know, their ability to tweet now. I'm not really sure what the, the case is there. I'll wait for somebody within the department to uh, to address that. But current player reached out to me and thanked me for um, helping to, um, you know, amplify the voices of these players. So that lets me know that uh, it's important to the guys that are in the program now that this stuff happens. It's not just former players. The players within that building right now are ready for change as well. You mentioned that that Twitter thing, and just quickly on, on that, uh, I think Kirk had said that what last week, last Thursday, they had talked with some of the the current players and who, who had voiced their their opinions and said, "Hey, we we want to be a part of this large conversation that's happening worldwide, really, and, and certainly across the country right now about racism, uh, systemic racism in, in our culture, and uh, and and police brutality, and, and all of these different aspects. Uh, you know, we're we're young black men, and, and not not necessarily all black men, but we, you know, we all." Have have a voice and we all want to use that voice in times like these and and Kirk had said that they had they had lifted essentially the Twitter ban or at least uh, to some extent there there's some discrepancy now as to uh, there's a report that that players are allowed you know one pre-approved tweet a month uh, which seems very restrictive um but then seeing other people who who have followed these guys over the last few days on Twitter saying, well, hey, these guys are tweeting a lot more than than once a month. They're, they're tweeting several times over a weekend. Um, so as you said, we'll we'll kind of wait until we get some clarity on that. I'm guessing. And if I if yeah, I yeah. could speculate, Andrew, Kirk did address that. It was asked of him yesterday, but not as directly um, it, during the press conference. And. He did kind of, you know, it was, I don't want to say vague, but just he said that, you know, I we have opened up more social media. The Twitter thing we'll discuss when they get back. So I, I'm thinking maybe, and this is just me speculating, I don't know this, that when the, he initially opened it up, when they were not on campus, they said, listen, we're going to start with, you know, one tweet. And then when you guys get back, we'll go over that and we'll talk about, you know, things that can and can't be tweeted. Mm. Again, that's restrictive, 
And maybe that's not the case, but that's just kind of my speculation on the possibility of what might be happening right yeah, now. Yeah, and again, uh, I, w- I will speculate that I the the one tweet a month thing I don't think will hold if it ever was uh, the the case. Uh, the pre-approved thing I don't think will hold if it ever was the case. I, I would be shocked. I you guess have at this to, point, uh, if yeah, if they don't just let let this, you kind of have to open the floodgates at this point. And I know the recruiting process is not perfect, but you get to know these guys in recruiting. You you vet you vet them in, in the recruiting process. You, yeah. You're bringing these guys on campus because you trust them, and mm-hmm. then you get to know them while you're they're in your program, and you continue vetting them as they do with you. There has to be a trust level there. Yeah, and I think and giving them more if, trust, and then if if they screw up, you know, pulling back on that leash is a better way to go. And, and you know, I, I saw some tweet or saw some Instagram messages last week, Andrew. And when the story, and I don't mean to laugh about this, but but I'm thinking like, you know, uh, this, since you and I started this podcast, man, oh it's gosh. like, you know, COVID. <laughs> right. Then we got you know the you know the awful things that are happening racially in this country, and then last Wednesday we're talking about. You know, the national anthem again and Colin Kaepernick and then Kirk addresses that. And then I write a column on that. And then, you know, people yeah, man, are voicing their gonna, opinions. I thought I was going to come on here and just talk Hawkeye sports all the time. I was looking <laughs> no. forward to like a fun, you know, fun, Some lighthearted sure. Hawkeye sports podcast. <laughs> You work for K X and O. We ain't talking a whole lot of X's and O's. We haven't even had many. We haven't even had many games since we started doing this. But um, I, I did see some Instagram posts where there were Iowa fans saying that if players kneel, they're done. They're not going to renew their tickets. And this is a whole other conversation that we haven't even discussed yeah. yet. And we're putting at the back of this podcast. And we can talk about this more because I don't think this story is going away once the games start. I right. think there's got there's going to be more to what is allowed of the Iowa players, how it's decided, all that. But for now, what I noticed is those, play, those people lashing out at the players saying that if they – peacefully protest during the national anthem by kneeling they're done and i've seen some players lash out that say we don't need you so that's something to keep an eye on and when you're when you're worried about uh, somebody tweeting about black lives matter or racial justice maybe offending some of your fan base you gotta let them. You have to let them express themselves. And if that upsets some of your fan base, your season ticket holders, your donors, you need to live with that. You need to stand up for your players right now. There's no gray area here. Yeah, exactly. We're we're not as much as people like to say we're not just rooting for laundry. You know, we're, we're rooting for the guys in those jerseys, and and those guys are people, and they are people who have opinions. And if you if, if them voicing an opinion is the reason that you won't cheer for them uh, on the field, then th- th- I, I'm with those players. that They don't need you. you uh, we, we don't need you in this fan base. And you know, Andrew, that this is going to be – when these games restart, this is going to be a big part of yes. the national conversation yeah, because that's... there's still a lot of pushback on protesting during the national anthem. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's the irony – but the, the the I think the point is that people are upset about it is a reason to do it. Mm. They're bringing attention yes. to the cause. They're trying to, and if people really want to know about why Colin Kaepernick did it, and aren't just saying it's just don't want to dismiss it with, 
you know, it's disrespecting the flag. If they actually want to learn why, they can. Yes. But it's up to them if they want to do that. And that's the same with if this happens at in Iowa City or in Ames, basketball, football, women's sports, men's sports, whatever it is, if this is happening on your campus, you can try to understand why these athletes are doing it or you can just condemn them for it. It's your choice. Well said. Uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about here with uh, in you know, pertaining to the Iowa situation in particular, and as you said, uh, this situation isn't going away with Iowa. It's not going away in our country. We'll have several uh, more podcasts to kind of talk about this. Uh, you know, I, I guess hopefully this is still a big issue a week from now when you and I talk again because I guess the only way I could see it not being the main issue is if something terrible has happened between now and then and uh, and you know a, a huge change has been made and, and we're talking about some different stuff. But uh, to not go there yet, um, I, I guess the the last thing I kind of wanted to hit on uh, that's that's a part of this story that has just so many tentacles, uh, and and maybe the touchiest part, eh, not the touchiest part, but certainly one of the touchiest parts is the fact that. Uh, along with Chris Doyle, the the other name that you're seeing put out there often has been Brian Ferentz, and. Uh, he's been named by name uh, a few times, and he has not been placed on administrative leave like Chris Doyle has. I know Kirk was asked about that yesterday, and, and essentially his, his answer was uh, he sees kind of two levels of this happening. He sees uh, the Chris Doyle and, and what he's being accused of on a, a different level than uh, Brian Ferentz and what he's being accused of. Obviously, Brian is his son, and uh, you, know, you know as a father as, as well as I do, uh, you're not going to be objective when it comes to your kids um I've never you know my, my son's five so so I haven't <laughs> known him for 35 years and I haven't met his kids and I haven't worked alongside with him for several years or or coached him or any of that so I can imagine just how much more uh this is difficult for for Kirk to talk about these things when it pertains to, to his son um I guess from the outside looking in it's hard for me to it, it's it's hard for me to kind of justify that that Brian isn't being um, disciplined more, and and maybe he is behind the scenes, and maybe he ultimately will be, and uh, and and he certainly hasn't been named nearly as as often as Chris Doyle has, and the stories that I've at least that I've heard or seen about Brian Ferentz haven't been nearly as bad as what Chris Doyle is being accused of, but it is gonna it is gonna be a touchy thing, and it's gonna be tough if this ultimately comes down with you know Chris Doyle losing his job and Brian Ferentz kind of getting it swept under the rug and and forgotten about. Yeah, it's sticky for sure. And that's part of the um, dynamic when you have relatives on on your staff. And um, yeah, Akram Wadley's mother reached out to me and told me some stories of uh, and I I I tweeted those out and put them in my story today uh, about what um, they felt were racist comments. And uh, I didn't ask Kirk specifically about it. I just uh, Akram Wadley's mom said she called Kirk and, and uh, expressed her concerns about it, those comments being racist from Brian. I asked Kirk at any time from anybody, player, parents, has anybody come to you and said they have 
uh, a racial complaint, something they intentional, intentional or not felt was a racist comment. And Kirk says he didn't, he does not remember anybody calling him on that. So, um, again, you have a situation situation where it's a, he said, he said, he said, she said, however you want to put it. Um, so that is out there as well. And, and Kirk said that, uh, when, when asked about Brian, he said that the all of the things that were out there about Brian, he's already heard about and talked to Brian about mm. when they happened. So that one's a little sticky. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind here, um, a lot of people probably know this anyway, but the nepotism laws in this state require Gary Barta to be um, to be Brian Ferentz's, um well, uh, he, to, oh, he he manages Brian the Ferentz, direct basically, supervisor, in, in, yeah. in, in these situations. Kirk does not. Um, but I think we'd be naive to think that Kirk didn't have any input in this. And, um, and, and Gary even said in his statement on Saturday with the suspension of Chris Doyle that it was something that he and Kirk discussed mm. was the right thing to do. So... Um, I'm sure if it came to Brian, they would have a discussion on that as well. Obviously, um, ultimately, it's uh, you know it's Gary Barter who manages Brian. Um, but um, yeah, I I wonder if there's any discipline for Brian in this, or if Kirk's saying I've already heard these complaints and dealt with them previously. What happened there? Um, that- that one's a little cloudy for me, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll see how this goes. And obviously, things are going to change rapidly with this. I, I think we'll we'll see a lot more happen. Uh, just for for people's knowledge, it's what twelve twenty five on on Monday that we're recording this at this point. So things may have changed by the time you even hear this podcast. Uh, and I'm, or I'm, by the while we're talking. Yeah, well, and I was going to say because something has changed in the time that we've talked. Uh, kind of a minor thing, but we've talked about this Twitter ban, and and that's been a, a big topic this morning. Scott Dockman of the Athletic who. Who's uh, had the initial story about the the one pre-approved tweet a month uh, has uh, now tweeted that Iowa reversed course this morning. Quote: While that was the original agreement last week, players are currently on Twitter and do not have restrictions. So okay. uh, it, seems like, it seems Great like seems like that. Yes, exactly. It seems like that was the restriction, but uh, Iowa has thought better of that and and changed course on that. And and hopefully that's a a good sign of what's to come here, Rob. And and Iowa kind of admitting fault. Um, because I, I do think I, I do think that most of this was done without malice. I do think this culture was set up in a way uh, and maybe initially that that didn't have any any bad in it, but over time kind of grew into this more and more toxic thing. I think uh, I, I don't think Kirk Ferentz came into the program and said, hey, I'm going to make all the black players assimilate to my white way, white way of living uh, but it doesn't really matter how it's set up or what the intentions are. If the result is what we're seeing, the result has been changes need to be made. And, and I'm hoping uh, as, and I'll just say this as an Iowa fan, as a Kirk Ferentz fan, um, I mean, I got into a fight with somebody on Twitter just last week about Kirk Ferentz, and I even said, like, hey, you, you, this is the guy you don't want to come at me about, because I'll go to the mattresses when it comes to Kirk Ferentz every single time. <laughs> you know, it's uh, as a guy who has this much reverence for, for that man and this program, uh, this has been a difficult 72 hours for me to kind of uh, come to terms with this and, and look at this. I've been proud of the way, for the most part, that the university and, and Kirk Ferentz have handled this. I'm glad that they didn't wait until Monday to have a press conference or put out a statement. Uh, 
and let things just simmer over the weekend or you know get worse and worse. I was happy to see a statement Friday. I was happy to see more Saturday and then Sunday. Um, and so I'm I'm hopeful that they'll be able to address this. And as we said earlier, take this as an opportunity uh, to to really create some lasting change and and maybe create a change within college football uh, as a whole and and you know as part of this change that seems to be happening in our society, which in my opinion is all for the better. Um, this isn't going to be easy for Iowa fans, and I get why a lot of fans are defensive. And honestly, you know, the fans that are that are attacking you uh, as as wrongheaded as they are, there's a part of me that kind of gets it. You know, hey, we we don't want to hear this stuff, especially on a day like this, Rob, where I expected to come into this podcast talking about, hey, players, players, players are on campus today. Voluntary workouts are set to 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 start today. After weeks and weeks and weeks of us not being able to talk about actual stuff, uh, I expected to come in today and kind of talk about football and have a fun conversation. And it sucks. It's a bummer that we don't get to do that. But it's important and it needs to happen. And I'm, I'm hopeful that it will happen. Uh, I, I am, I'm holding out faith and hope that, that the, the men in charge of this program right now are going to be able to facilitate this kind of change. Um, but I'm keeping my eyes open a lot more than, than I was a week ago on exactly what's going on. Uh, along those lines, Rob, I want to thank you. You know, bravery is, is a, a hard thing because, you know, the bravery that's happening in this country right now certainly isn't, you know, me getting on Twitter and retweeting somebody. Um, but I, I do think it showed a lot of bravery for you to take the bravery that was shown by those players and amplify it in the way you have it and in the face of a lot of criticism and a lot of hate. Uh, and so I thank you for that. Uh, and I thank you for doing this podcast with me. I, I know it's been a, a long weekend and it would have been easy for you to say, you know what, I've said what I've had to say. I, I, you know, I don't really want to do this right now um, and I do think it takes a lot of courage for you to do what you've done and other journalists to do it what they've done you know watching that zoom call which you can watch right now on, on YouTube or on HawkeyeNation.com. thank you for posting that by the way um, th- those are those are reporters you along with them who have covered this program and this man for a long time and and have probably developed some sort of a relationship with him and and certainly a, a, prof- a professional respect uh, amongst yourselves with him and to, to ask him hard questions to ask him about his son being a racist you know whether or not he has done racist things in the past to ask him hey wh- how did how did you allow this to happen in your program for 20 years these are hard questions to ask and it does take a level of courage from you and other journalists to ask these questions. It's why you guys are important. It's why journalism is, is important. And so the, I, I want to thank you and, and the other people who have, have helped kind of bring this to the forefront. Because as a fan, this isn't fun. I don't like this. I wish it wasn't happening. But it's important that it happens. It needs to happen. And it needs to be addressed in the right way. And without guys like you, and uh, obviously it all starts with the players. Uh, and, and so I don't want to take that away from them. But I did want to at least acknowledge here, you and the other journalists this weekend who have, have amplified this and not shied away from it, not tried to brush it under the rug, uh, e- even though it would have been easy to do so. Yeah, I appreciate that, Andrew, and, and I appreciate your, what you're saying because I think uh, there's a lot of truth to this needing to be the, out there. And I think if you really care about Iowa football, if you really care about the program, if you really care about Kirk Ferentz, it's important that it's being discussed. I don't feel like I'm doing anything great. I feel like I'm doing my job, you know, and, and I know that rubs people the wrong way. Um, I know people think that I'm perpetuating the story. If anybody out there, and I wrote this on our message board, so there's a thread on our message boards that that's titled rob's agenda and basically it's people attacking me and i didn't take it down i just got on there and i explained to people if you think i'm enjoying this you're really mistaken 
I, I started covering this program in 1997. I was here for Hayden Fry's last two years in his retirement. I was here when Kirk Ferentz got here. I've covered him the whole time. We've not always seen eye to eye, but I've always had respect for him. And I feel like it's mutual. And, you know, it's... It hurts, yeah, man. Yeah, it really hurts. I, I love, I love Iowa City. I love this state. I'm not. I wasn't born, but I care. You know, I. It's hard. It's this is just really hard, and I don't take any joy at all in this. I just want what's best for these guys. You know, I, I. I got to know these guys too that as players it's not just about a program or, or you know uh, the helmets it, it's about the guys that are in the uniforms it, they're people man and they, they should be heard and you know james daniels um the courage he showed coming up first on this you know and, and speaking out knowing what was going to happen to him and we talked about Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not I'm not condemning Doyle or, or saying that whatever he I, I'm not these are allegations, and it, and it still needs to go through the process. But people are seeing now, four and five years later, what Colin Kaepernick was about, and, and even though James Daniels is being vilified by some people, some fans, what he did is to help this program, and he stood up to do that, and he's the hero here. For me, and then all the other guys that came after him. And if you care about this program, you'll care what they have to say. Absolutely, that that that's well said, and uh, and we all care about this program, and we all hope that it, it changes for the better. Rob, thank you as always. Uh, keep up the good work. We will we will keep following you on Twitter and Hawkeye Nation. Obviously, this is a developing thing, and, and we'll, we'll stay on top of it. Uh, we'll continue to do our jobs, and I want you to continue to do your job, um, and, and, you know, Hopefully, people will follow this along, and uh, and and hopefully, in a year or two years or however long this takes, we will look back and and realize this was a positive thing for this program and for this state and ultimately for this country uh, that these things are are being brought to light and and these difficult conversations are being had. Um, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Andrew. And and we've said this throughout this podcast, and I apologize for kind of breaking down there at the end, but. Um, Iowa can be the leader here, yep. and I think that's what the focus should be. Be the leader of this. College football is a billion-dollar industry and is a huge part of the fabric of this country. Iowa has a chance, a great opportunity here to, to be a leader. And if it can do that, like we said, that will be Kirk Ferentz's legacy. And it's up to him, he as the leader of this program to make that happen. Absolutely right. Thank you for listening. Go Hawks. <laughs>